Welcome to This Week in Theater, courtesy of the Broadway Radio Network. I am Broadway star's Jennifer McHugh. And I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. This Week in Theater is a podcast talking about regional theater productions around the U.S. This week, we are interviewing people from Wichita, Kansas, St. Louis, Missouri, and Matt will have an in-person review of his viewing of Sweeney Todd at the Muni. Matt, you are on the road. Tell us where you are. I am currently sitting in my sister's home in Nevada, uh, Henderson, to be precisely one of the major suburbs, if not the major suburb outside of Las Vegas. But Jen, you and I realized that in our, I guess what now, like six, seven year podcasting history, this is the first time we've ever done a show in the same time zone. This is the first time we've ever recorded a show in the same time zone, and I think this is the first time you and I have ever been on the Pacific time zone together. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely that. It's also probably the closest, like, geographically we've probably ever been to (laughs) each other. (laughs) It's true. You're only about five-hour drive away. Yeah, I mean, I'm, but we still I'm, have never met. No, not in person. <laughs> um, because anytime you've been on the East Coast, I've been in Florida, and you've been in Pennsylvania or New York. So uh, mm-hmm. we've we've never been any closer than this. Although, seems we're, like we're, we yeah. are going to try. We are yeah, we are summer. leaning leaning towards making plans next summer for a big birthday of mine to maybe, maybe finally meet in person do in New York. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. So um, exciting, exciting um, stuff for us. Exciting uh, episode here on the show. So uh, all good things all around. Well, Matt, I'm going to begin and I'm going to tell you that I talked to Brian J. Markham from Music Theater Wichita, which is in Wichita, Kansas. He is the artistic director for the theater, and we got to chat for a bit about the theater as a whole, the community of Wichita, as well as their upcoming productions that he wanted to share. So here's my interview with Brian. Okay, so Brian, you are the artistic director of the Music Theater of Wichita. And that, if that is correct, that's music theater, Wichita. There's no of music theater, Wichita. Yes. Okay. So tell us a little bit about you, your background and how you ended up in this position at this theater. Sure. Um, I, uh, well, let's see. I was an actor for a long time, an actor and a dancer in New York on Broadway. Um, I'm originally from Tennessee and I went to school. I went to my, my, I got my college education at Oklahoma City University. Uh, I was a dance, uh, dance major there in the uh, early 90s. And while I was there, I, um, it was a, it's a program at Oklahoma State University that's mainly based around, uh, uh, for kids who want to go to Broadway. And so it was very, um, it's all, uh, you know, we took ballet every day, tap, jazz, but there was no modern or any of that. So it was, it was basically, it was really like to get people, uh, to New York and, uh, while I was there, I fortunately got uh, the chance to audition for this theater in Kansas called Music Theater at the time of Wichita. And um, and I met this man named Wayne Bryan, who was the artistic director there. And my senior year, uh, I got hired to come up and be in the shows. Uh, it's two hours north of Oklahoma City. And I came up and I did um, five shows in 10 weeks. 
uh, uh, and it was, I was part of the resident ensemble, which was a bunch of kids uh, from all kinds of musical theater programs around the country. Although back in the 90s, there were less of those. They were, you know, they're the ones, they were the CCMs and the um, uh, uh, OU, I think, had one, but there weren't as many as there are now. And um, so uh, I, yeah, so I came up and I did, I learned. Uh, like I say, five shows in 10 weeks. And then uh, I graduated and I moved to New York and I came back the next summer and did my uh, second year here as the resident ensemble members, as a resident ensemble member. And I then uh, went on to, uh, and I, and, and, you know, Wayne was very instrumental in, in uh, my career early on and taught me so much about musical theater. And then I went on to, I was, you know, I went back to New York and I auditioned and I did all my things and I worked at a bunch of different regional theaters and I went to Tokyo and I worked at Tokyo Disneyland and I had worked at Disney World in Florida and I did, you know, all the things that you do as a young entertainer uh, living in New York. I auditioned and auditioned and I, I was pretty successful. I, uh, uh, through my, you know, 15 years of of living in New York City, I was in six Broadway shows, The Gershwin's Fascinating Rhythm, uh, Saturday Night Fever, 42nd Street, The Boy From Oz with Hugh Jackman. Uh, I did Spamalot and The Drowsy Chaperone. And I also was the associate choreographer of Elf the Musical uh, on Broadway. Uh, and around that time, uh, I had, uh, you know, I've been doing it for a long time. My wife was an actress. She was in Beauty and the Beast for eight years. And we also had <laughs> acquired a daughter. <laughs> we had a child. And uh, uh, around the time that Spamala, I guess Spamala was my last show in New York where I was a performer. Uh, I got the call from um, Oklahoma City University, uh, my alma mater, to say, like, would you like to come back? and teach here and I said uh I don't know and they said we need you it's kind of an emergency situation we need you in six weeks and you know I talked to my wife about it and I uh she's from Dallas and so Dallas is you know two and a half three hours south of Oklahoma City and we thought it would be nice for our then two-year-old daughter to be close to her grandparents so I went back uh we I, we, I went back to them and said sure let's try it and you know so they had wanted me to come back for years and it just had never been the right time I also in my uh, performing career kept thinking like, I love this. I love this adulation. I love the applause. I love all these people. This community is great, but there's something missing. And I thought, well, maybe teaching might be the thing. So I went back to Oklahoma City and I knew what that program was about. And so I was teaching there and it ended up, you know, I was there for seven years teaching in that program. And I loved the students and I loved that program and I loved teaching. And that was the thing that I was like, oh, there has to be something more. And that was it. Um, and while I was there, Wayne at Music Theater Wichita was still coming down to Oklahoma City University and auditioning auditioning kids for every summer to come back up and be in their shows. And one year he said, you know what, you should come up and choreograph a show. Uh, how about Hello, Dolly? And he said, you know, the last time we did Hello, Dolly at Music Theater Wichita, you were in the ensemble. So how great would it be for you to come back and do the next, <laughs> you know, 20 years later and do uh, Hello, Dolly again, but be the choreographer? And I said, that's great. Let's do it. So I came up 
and they liked me. And from then on, they kept bringing me back. And, uh, you know, I did Newsies here as a choreographer. I did um, uh, uh, Mamma Mia as a choreographer. And then they said, you know, why don't you try your hand at directing and choreographing? And I did a chorus line in Chicago and some other things. And I, and I also did a Sound of Music where Wayne was the director. And it just seemed as though uh, I was kind of a good fit. And Wayne, with his, you know, in, in all of his, you know, he's so smart and so strategic and loves this theater and has built this theater over the 35 years that he has been here to uh, this, this uh, kind of mecca for uh, people from New York to come down and and be starring in the shows while also cultivating this young uh, resident ensemble that have gone, many of them have gone on to be Broadway stars like Kelly O'Hara and Kristen Chenoweth and all of these great people. And he said, you know what, I'm getting older and I need someone to, you know, we need to find someone who can take my place. And I think you would be a good fit. And after I picked myself up off the floor from fainting, I looked around and I was like, are you talking to me? And um, he said, yeah. And so we started that conversation. And, you know, soon after that conversation was started, we decided that we wanted to kind of move out of Oklahoma and and uh, move. And I started teaching at a university in Syracuse for a few different reasons. I was at Syracuse University for four, after being at OCU for seven years. I was at Syracuse University in the musical theater department there for four years. And I was able to still come back in the summers and, and work here. And, and as the time went on and Wayne was saying, like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting closer to retirement. Why don't you come on more full time? Um, I did. And, you know, he has shepherded me, shepherded me through the process and uh, is still here as an advisor for one more year. And, uh, as we're getting back kind of after COVID land, we're getting back into more regional, like uh, more uh, of a season like we've done in the past. And so it's been um, uh, a journey for sure. I'm learning a lot about this program, uh, a lot about this position. And he is still as, as an advisor. So anytime I need something, I call him or I send the bat signal up and put his face up in the sky and he calls and is always there for, uh, you know, to help uh, with any kind of transitional needs or anything that I need. So it's been really great. Um, I'm still talking. <laughs> it was just, a, it was such a fascinating story. I didn't want to stop you. <laughs> I can stop whenever I get long winded and I'm very passionate about this place. So, and, and, and so thankful that I'm in this position, but I'll, you know, if there's specific things that you want me to cover, <laughs> I will do that. That was the best, like five minute. Here's my life I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> Is Oklahoma City University different than Oklahoma University? Yes, Oklahoma City University is in Oklahoma City, and um, is uh, the 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 the, the um, department I was in was uh, the dance department, the Ann Lacey School of American Dance and Arts Management. There is also a musical theater department there and a theater department, um, and they we you know and and that school is uh, and, and a vocal performance. Uh, so, um, like for instance. Kristen Chenoweth and Kelly O'Hara were all uh, uh, 
they were from that school as well and came here uh, just as I did to get my musical theater training, you know, uh, uh, over the summer, they were in the resident ensemble and did lead roles. And then they went on and did, you know, really great things in New York. And, um, but OU is Oklahoma university or the university of Oklahoma. And there's also UCO, which is the university of central Oklahoma. It's all very confusing, but they all have uh, musical theater pro uh, programs. We, uh, we have a few students from OU here now and actually my my professor and mentor who uh, who um you know there are a few people that i can look to uh as people that i um credit for a lot of my success Joe Rowan, who is the head of the department at Oklahoma City University, um, Wayne Bryan, who is was the artistic director uh, here, and then Lynn Kramer, who was the tap and jazz teacher at OCU when I was a student, but now is at OU still training these really great triple threats uh, that keep coming uh, up to us. And um, um, and so, you know, uh, she was at OCU and now she's at OU. It gets very confusing with all the O's, <laughs> but um, Oklahoma is a big like uh, theater uh, state. They yeah. create, they really produce lots of great uh, theater uh, artists. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about um, music theater, Wichita, and the Wichita theater community as a whole. Yes. Um, Music Theater Wichita has been around. We just celebrated our 50th year. Um, Wayne Bryan was the artistic director for the past 34 plus years and really has cultivated a um, following here of uh, subscribers and support kind of unheard uh, of, I don't think. And I, but, but also, um, you know, so uh, MTW has, uh, we have for the past 50 years been a theater that produces five shows uh, throughout the summer. Um, and for the past 50 years, we've done it uh, every two weeks, we've opened a new show. After the, during the pandemic, we, thought, you know what, um, because of lots of industry standards and things that people were uh, asking of the industry and also trying to make things as equitable as possible, uh, and also because of the new technologies and the things that the show, shows are now requiring, turntables and mirrors and all of the things um, uh, tech, technological in theater these days, um, we decided we would try and see what it was like to expand the season. Instead of doing a show every two weeks, we now do a show every three weeks. So it gives us a little bit more rehearsal time. It gives us a little bit more tech time. We have eliminated 10 out of 12s um, and we are trying to make it a little bit easier and more manageable for people to have lives outside the theater um, if if they, if they have them. So uh, like for instance, I have a family, I have two children and a wife. And so it's nice that we, I'm able to still, even though we are producing these big Broadway style shows here in Kansas, and we do five of them and now it's 15 weeks, um, we still are able to, you're still able to have a life and still maintain that standard of living and quality of life, which is important now as we've come out of this pandemic. So anyway, um, so 
yeah, so music theater has been around for 50 years. And um, like I say, we have we produce big Broadway style shows right here in downtown Wichita in this uh, complex called Century Two, which is a big building. It looks like a spaceship that landed in in the middle of uh, Wichita. And we have in the basement, we have been able to build sets, costumes, uh, props, do all do all of our rehearsals in this building. And then the audience, the, the theater in which we normally perform is um, a 2100 seat house that we fill up most of the time um, because of Wayne's diligence and all of the great things he's done over the 35 years, building this subscription and this support in this town. And I can say it. Uh, and I've said it for, you know, 20 years since I was a student here. Um, I can go out to, you know, to places and talk about how great it is. Um, but people, until they come here, um, uh, don't get it. Uh, for instance, like we just closed Kinky Boots and Charlie was played by a really good friend of mine, uh, Drew Lachey of 98 Degrees. He came here and I've been talking about Music Theater of Wichita, Music Theater Wichita for years uh, to he and his wife. And I think they understood. They were like, yeah, it's a regional theater. And so we've been to other regional theaters. But until he got here and he did a show here and we did we rented the tour sets and the tour costumes, and we did basically the Broadway show in eight days, uh, where they learned the show in eight days, but then and then we tech it for four days, and then we open and we run for seven days. And that's the three weeks. And the audience was full. And so we sold, we almost sold out 2,100 night seat every night, and it was rather spectacular. And they come here and they think, what? How does this exist in the middle of the country? And it has for 50 years. And uh, we have really um, great alumni who go out into, you know, once they leave here, they go to New York and they talk about how great we are. But I think Wichitans themselves don't realize that this does not exist in other places because they're just so used to coming to Music Theater Wichita five times in the summer and they get a Broadway style show with these major Broadway talented actors. And then also these musical theater uh, artists that are learning the craft in their universities. And they come here and they learn a new show every now, every three weeks. And they're really spectacular. And then they go to, they go to New York and they become the next Kelly O'Hare is the next Kristen Chenoweth, the next Matt Bogarts, you know, the next big Broadway stars. And they all get their they get their start here. And it's kind of amazing. Um, you know, I started my career here. I learned from Wayne and now I'm so lucky and fortunate and grateful to be that kind of Willy Wonka character that gets to like, it's not a chocolate factory, but it's a musical theater factory that gets to like send these kids, bring these kids in and create that experience for them where they can then go on and um, fulfill their Broadway dreams. It's really a, a great, it's a really great thing. Yeah. I love that you said that because um, I, I think people just, assume that Broadway has this factory where they just produce people. And in reality, not everybody grows up in New Jersey or in right. Los Angeles, you know, they come from somewhere. And the more theaters I talk to you, like you in the Midwest, like there's just these programs where all these stars are born. 
So it's really amazing. Like the more we learn about these, these theaters in the Midwest, um, I, I just, we want to just give you as much support as possible because they should become destination destinations for, for theater lovers, just to see where, where it begins you know, it's not all the coasts. It's it's all these little theaters all over the country that are producing these programs. Um, that sounds fascinating. I was looking on your website a little about your educational programs. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. We. Um, it's funny. We just um, we this year <laughs> because why not in a pandemic? Let's let's start a whole bunch of new things. We just acquired, there has been an organization in town called Music Theater for Young People. And it, it, it was not part of Music Theater Wichita, and, but they were uh, a training program for young, for young youngsters, teens and the like, and even down to like yeah, seven-year-olds. And they would produce musicals uh, for kids, uh, maybe three or four of them a year. Um, and during the pandemic, the um, the artistic director or the executive director decided she wanted to retire. And when I took this job, there were two things I wanted to, that I, that I knew I wanted to do. One was create a holiday program of a a holiday show uh, for people to come, you know, that we would do three or four times and uh, that would become a, uh, tradition uh, for families in Wichita where they could, you know, create these family moments where they were like, oh, well, we have our dinner, we go see the MTW holiday show, and it's just, uh, you know, our kids are home from college or anything, you know, like that it becomes a tradition. Unfortunately, the pandemic, the pandemic uh, stopped us from doing that, but we did produce a, a television show two, two Christmases ago uh, where we brought people in and we went to a house out in Andover, which is like a suburb 20 minutes away. And we, uh, for nine days, we rehearsed and we shot this television show for PBS. And it was an amazing, uh, it was the first time I ever wrote a television show. And uh, it was great. We even got Emmy nominated, which was uh, something I never thought would happen. Um, And so that was one thing. And we're doing a full live production this Christmas, this holiday, uh, this holiday season. But the other thing was, well, I wanted to uh, uh, start and bolster up our education program. We've always had like a teen choir, which has uh, been something that uh, where we have a, a big group, sometimes up to 80 kids, where they come in and they learn a number before and they perform before each show uh, in the summer. But I wanted to start like classes and uh, theaters, uh, theater uh, education for youngsters. And so when the music theater for young people, when they decided they were going to kind of uh, look for handing it off, they came to us and we said, well, we didn't think we would do it so soon in your tenure, Brian, but why don't we do it now? It seems the perfect time. So our boards got together, we worked out all the details. And so we took them under our umbrella and last um, February, we did Frozen Junior as our first um, uh, MTYP show. Actually, it was in March. We did our first MTYP show and we had 80 children um, do it. Uh, and we survived and it was really exciting and fun. Um, you know, and some of those programs around the country can be pretty cost prohibitive. Uh, because, you know, it, it is it is a moneymaker. And I remember, you know, my daughter, when we lived in Syracuse, was in 
uh, Peter Pan. And it was like $185 for the whole thing. And it was a great experience, but that's a lot of money. And so it was very important for me in this community where we have so much support that we are able to, you know, find someone to uh, underwrite that. And so that we were able to bring the cost down to about $30 per per kid. Uh, And so that it was open to more people because, you know, singing and dancing, uh, those lessons, those dance classes are all very, very expensive. And so I, I, as, as I wanted to make sure that we are the, you know, we are the biggest theater in the Midwest, I think, definitely in Kansas, that's producing. Uh, and so we should be able to educate the youngsters and of uh, Wichita, but make it available to everyone. Uh, and so that is moving forward. Uh, SpongeBob is going to be our next thing in the fall, is our next show. And we are also, we have this great, these great people who are moving uh, into town. Uh, and we're starting some really small, younger education programs for even like smaller like four and five-year-olds like mommy and me classes and all of these things that we can now have start matriculating up that can then go into our team program and then they can become part of our resident ensemble hopefully do you know so we we want to really like lay the groundwork early for kids and it's not even kids that we think like oh we want to create the next Desi Oakley, who is, you know, a person who's gone through here from uh, youth to go on to be in bro- uh, into a, into on Broadway. But we want to create people. If we have those people, that's fantastic. But we really want to create people, uh, opportunities for kids to find their 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 group, their um, their support system that maybe they can't find if they're not into sports or, you know, if they, but we want to start that. And then maybe if they don't become the next Desi Oakley or the next Kristen Chenoweth, that's okay. They have an appreciation for it and they become the next ticket buyers. And they, um, they are, you know, uh, they have an appreciation for it and a love for it. And they have those memories and those memories last a lifetime. You know, I remember when I did Frozen Junior and with you and, uh, you know, all those 81 people or whatever. And and so that really is why I wanted to start that, because I know um, I am, you know, I am a white guy from Tennessee, but I was from a very small town in Tennessee that didn't have a lot of options. And if it wasn't for my dance studio or my little Lexington Little Theater, I don't know that I would have found my group. And I know how it changed my life. So I think there are people in this community that, you know, they have no idea that these things can they can find there can be jobs and, and ways that they can find their people and whether it's they become stage managers or they love like to make props or they like to work on costumes or they like to learn about lighting. Uh, we want to offer those uh, opportunities for kids in this community where they can find things that maybe they don't even know exist for them at the moment. So, and that's very, it can change someone's life and get them out of some circumstances that maybe they you know, don't, don't want to be in. So um, that's very important to me with this education program. So as we're thinking about moving forward and finding funding and all the stuff that has, that goes with that, um, that's the reason why we want to do it. I love that you said that about all the backstage stuff too, because, you know, there are so many opportunities for people who don't consider themselves theater people. Right. You know, we used to have volunteers all the time who were really good at art and we taught them how to make props or we taught them about yeah. set design or we, and or costume design. And all of a sudden they have a new career path in front of them just because right. they decided right. to 
sign up for a, a summer play or something. So Absolutely. it's just so important. Um, yeah, and we have a really strong apprentice program here, apprentice and intern program. Um, and we want to, you know, uh, our it's kind of here. Our apprentices are the young are the young ones who want to get in, like they're in high school, and they, you know, maybe they are actors who don't get cast in something. But you know, a lot of those actors sometimes don't even realize that they are good at making props or that they're really good at scheduling. So they'd be a a really good stage manager. So they get to come in and work during the summer alongside all of our all of our like professional artisans and learn a, a craft and they get workshops and in things throughout the summer too, so that they can, you know, then they're like, Oh wait, I do want to go to, uh, you know, this university um, and become a stage manager, or I do want to go here and become a props person. Uh, and so, you know, giving them those opportunities is kind of golden. Yeah. I mean, even for me, I was all about acting and then I, I started making notes to the director every night and they pulled me aside and was like, I think you might have a different path than acting. You know, it's just, you don't know because you're, you're just, it's ingrained in you that you want to be on the stage and you want to be in the spotlight, but there's so many offshoots of that, that, that can develop. So uh, that's really encouraging to hear. I think that's a really good transition into your upcoming production, um, dealing with a lot of children and, um, oh, yes. Big name shows. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yes. So this season, we, um, we you know, uh, there are a few things that got translated or transmitted, transferred, transferred, that's the word, transferred from the 2020 season uh, that we were going to do. Uh, Kinky Boots was one of them. Uh, and Wizard of Oz uh, was one of them. And uh, Jersey, uh, we uh, we started this season with Jersey Boys, and then we uh, then we um, which was an out at an outdoor venue uh, that we had to find uh, as we pivoted from uh, COVID and couldn't be indoors. We found this great uh, venue outdoors, so we did Jersey Boys outside. And then after two years of being away, we did Forty Second Street indoors, and indoors. Uh, you know, after being uh, in, uh, in a pandemic, uh, you know, I was in the I was in the uh, the um, 2001 revival of 42nd Street during 9/11, and we shut down for two for two days. Uh, and you know, then once uh, the mayor said you've got to open your Broadway houses again and get the city going again, and so it felt like this was the right show to to get us back into the concert hall after being away for two years, and it was really well received and everyone loved being back in our home again. Uh, and then we just closed Kinky Boots, Kinky Boots, which was uh, another big success. So now we are doing that Kansas favorite, <laughs> the Wizard of Oz. And I mean, um, our, it, <laughs> yeah. I know, like it's like doing Oklahoma in Oklahoma, which I did too, which was uh, amazing uh, experience uh, and a little overwhelming. But doing the Wizard of Oz in Kansas, uh, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like when that when that curtain goes up for the first time. We um, the last time we did it here was 2006. And uh, our Dorothy was Desi Oakley, who then went on to New York and she was in Chicago and she's waitress and she's done all of these great things. But she's from here. Um, and we are about to. So we just started rehearsal for Wizard of Oz that will open in uh, a few weeks. And uh, we have uh, a really great local talent. Her name is Cami Abraham, who will be a senior at East High 
um, here and um, which is a public school here. And she is really just great. And we, she's, you know, on that journey again, she'll be auditioning for all the musical theater schools around the country. And any one of them would be pr uh, so happy and proud to have her. Um, but she's our Dorothy. And then we also have 36 munchkins and 17 teens who will also be in the show. Uh, the Munchkins will obviously be in Munchkin land, and then the teens will be in um, the Citizens of Oz number, and uh, along with our resident ensemble of 25 kids that we have from different musical theater um, programs around the country. Um, and they 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 have been in our season all summer, uh, but the but the uh, Munchkins we're very excited about. They are they are going to learn all of their um, choreography and music through a Munchkin camp, and then they will filter into us uh, as we get into tech, and then they will be incorporated into the show. So we're very excited about that. We've been building all new costumes and and refurbishing our sets and. Um, yeah, so uh, that's exciting. And then the last show that we're doing of the season is called The Drowsy Chaperone. And uh, it is, uh, uh, I also did uh, The Drowsy Chaperone. I was in the Broadway company. And uh, so I'm directing and choreographing it. But it's a great uh, delight for me that the man in chair is Wayne Bryan, the guy that I replaced as the artistic director. He's played the role before and uh, he is the man in chair. He knows more about musical theater than anyone I've ever met. And um, he has all of the cast albums. So he's he is basically the character. And um, so I'm very excited about that. And, and that's, uh, you know, there's lots of stuff around that show. And um, he will be somewhat retiring for real that uh, with that show. We're doing lots of things to honor him uh, for that. And rightfully so, because he's he is the man who has created this um, amazing place in which I am now the caretaker of, uh, thankfully for him, from, from him. So uh, we're very excited about that. You can find more information on Music Theater Wichita at their theater website, mtwichita.org, and on all the socials at mtwichita. So Matt, you are traveling around the country and you got, did you do an in-person interview? No, I did not do an in-person interview. We originally planned on doing a couple interviews uh, in person, but because of uh, equity COVID restrictions, those were nixed. Uh, but instead I spoke with Kyla Stone, who is getting ready to play Elle Woods in the Muni's production of Legally Blonde. You might be familiar with Kyla. She did about uh, nine, eight, nine months as Anya in the national tour of Anastasia, making her the first black woman to ever play the role in any production worldwide of this show. She will star opposite Hamilton, I mean, at this at this point, legend Fergie Philippe as Emmett Forrest, uh, Broadway Radio's old friend Patty Murin as Paulette. Jagged Little Pill, Tony nominee, Sean Allen Curl as Professor Callahan, and former Broadway radio guest Haley Pichoon as Brooke Wyndham. We had a great conversation and talked about not only Kyla's career and how she ended up uh, putting on the Delta New jacket, but also what it takes to do a show in 100 plus degree heat outdoors in a theater in front of 11,000 people. 
So the first question I have to ask is, Elle Woods in this musical is known as being a very physically and vocally demanding role, so much so that like back in the reality show days, they made them sing the songs while on exercise bikes. You are getting ready to do this show outdoors in St. Louis in the middle of summer where it is regularly over 100 degrees in front of 11,000 people. How are you physically preparing to do that role in that environment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of, um, I do a lot of yoga. I do a lot of centering myself. So that's step one, getting your your mental strength and your your mental stability in place. And then I'm big on, it's a lot of water. The more water <laughs> I drink, the better I feel. I will eat like full cucumbers. Um, and then like, I will literally, before our designer run, which was yesterday, it feels like a week ago, but um, before our designer run, like I literally was running laps around the turntable and I was like, yep, this is how we're going to prep. Um, no, but I mean, honestly, it was so great yesterday because it, it felt so much more grounded than I think I realized. And, and so I'm finding places where I get to breathe and I just get to listen to everyone on stage and and then pump it up when I need to. Yeah, I would imagine breathing is important, uh, really especially is. in this role, in life in general, but also uh, <laughs> in this role. As you said, this is, you guys have just done your designer run. We're recording on Friday and you've been in town now, I think for just over like a week or maybe not even a, a week. This is such a crazy process for any Muni show and especially one where it is so much of a star vehicle. Like, how has it been kind of going from Anastasia into this with, I'm sure you had some prep time, but I mean, that's a lot to handle in a short amount of time. Yeah. I mean, I, I was very fortunate in that we had a, we had a layoff right before I started this process for Anastasia. So I, I literally went to my, my boyfriend's apartment and he has a rooftop deck and <laughs> sat out there tanning and learning my lines in the heart of LA. So I was like, how much more Elwood um, but I mean, I, I owe it to like my childhood self for being so obsessed with this show because like I started learning the music and I went, wait, I already know the vast majority of all of this show because I was so obsessed. Um, and then I really just have to attribute it to, to obviously Maggie, our director, who who just knows exactly where I'm going and has like so many thoughts and so many wonderful ideas and, and really just allowed me to sort of explore in the moment found time to do table work. I don't even know how she did it. Um, and then obviously just, just getting to, to dive in with, with everyone. And, um, so yeah, that's, that's really how I did it. Well, and you talk about the fact that you knew this show very well. I have been on record for years now saying that this is one of the most underappreciated masterpieces in the 21st century musical theater canon. So it sounds like you are at least uh, somewhat in line with me there. But tell me what I mean, you said you knew most of the show from from growing up with it. What is your experience with Legally Blonde, the musical, Legally Blonde, the movies, uh, all of that L. Woods uh, related media empire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I loved the film when I was little because I mean, I'm going to age myself in terms yeah, of how yeah. young I am. Um, but uh, which ironically, it's it's my birthday today. So I just oh, I just 24. Thank you. And that's obviously how old Reese Witherspoon was when she shot the film. And I oh just think God. that's funny. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I loved the movie. I don't think it occurred to me 
as much that it was really a, a journey of self-discovery and realizing her self-worth at the time. I just loved that she loved pink and that she had a dog and that she was like, yeah, I'm going to go follow this guy to Harvard. Um, but then, I mean, when the musical came out, it was like, holy crud, this show is perfect. Like, I mean, in terms of like, in terms of obviously uh, what Laura Bell Bundy did in, in discovering her worth and, and who she is, as well as, I mean, it's hysterical. It's a, it's a perfect script. It's a perfect score. And the transitions are so yes. seamless. And even in running it yesterday, I was like, oh, I know exactly what happens next because we're following the plot of the film. Um, and I think it just translates so well to stage because it, it really is her discovery of, of who she is and her worth and realizing that she doesn't have to chase a guy to achieve what she wants. So I absolutely love it. Yeah, I mean, and, and all good theater and all great storytelling is about some sort of journey, whether literal or figurative. And, and this one does it as well, if not better than than most. You You mentioned the fact that being able to do this show with this group of people is uh, is one of the things that's helped you kind of get over the, you know, the inherent hurdles of doing this show in such a short amount of time. This cast is tremendous, as most of the Muni casts often are. Um, but you are playing opposite a number of folks who have not only done shows at the Muni before, um, but have really long uh, established, well-loved careers. What has that experience kind of been like, whether that's been with, with Patty or Fergie or, or Haley or anybody else in this ensemble? Yeah, I, I mean, Fergie and I uh, have a mutual friend, Nick Walker, who is obviously playing Aaron Burr on okay. Broadway. And I've got, I've, got to, I've got to tell you, I've got to tell you right now, Nick Walker stood me up for an interview about three hours ago. So oh, no! Nick, Nick, oh, well. who is Nick, who is a buddy of mine as well, uh, he he owes me. So he's he's sick right now. So I'm gonna forgive him. Yeah. But yeah, yep. leave it to oh, Nick. But- <laughs> leave it to him yeah. no he's he's absolutely the best i did sweeney todd with him and, oh, and he, right. he played sweeney and so i got to play his joanna and i mean we just uh hysterical because all we do is make fun of each other and we just lift each other up and so our sense of humor is completely aligned um and then obviously fergie worked with him and so we had heard things about each other but didn't obviously know and then I mean, everyone just says how great our chemistry is, but when I'm when I'm on stage, I say in quotes because we haven't been on stage yet. Uh, <laughs> but but I mean, we're just dialed into each other, and it just feels like we're talking in this show, which I absolutely love. And then Patty, oh my goodness, she's just uh, she's just like pure sunshine. That's how I describe it. When I get to look into her eyes, it's just like I'm right there with her, and she's so funny and she's so warm, and and she is exactly the person that I think people think she is, if that makes yeah. any sense. Like the way she presents herself on social media and interviews and shows, like that's exactly who she is. And I, I just love when that happens, when you get to work yeah. with people, you're like, oh, you're exactly who I thought you were. You're amazing. You're so talented. And yet you're also hysterical. And, and we can just talk about absolutely anything. Well, I, I've also, I've known Patty for a long time as well, but I noticed in your bio, you actually mentioned a few things that I know Patty is obsessed with, just like you are. Um, things like The Bachelor and Chris Evans. Have you gotten to dive into your mutual uh, obsessions of either of those things yet in between scenes or anything? <laughs> we haven't yet. We've, we've mentioned it a few times. Um, but but for the most part, it's just us joking about how hot it is or we'll be absolutely delusional and just like make up songs. So it's just, 
Yeah, it's just perfect. <laughs> uh, well, okay, you can't say that and not share one. What? Give me a taste of one of these songs you've made up. If there, if you can come up with them on the spot. I don't even. I think today we switched up the lyrics. Um, it actually wasn't even a song. It was me like coming in for my first scene, and I was like, "You have to dye my hair navy because it's a da ba da." And then we just started changing syllables, and it made absolutely no sense. And we thought it was hysterical. Yeah, we were starting to lose our minds. Yep, exactly. The he, the he <laughs> will definitely do that. Um, well, it, it sounds like this process has been not only a whirlwind, but a, you know, kind of like we talk about whether it's this or stuff at the Hollywood Bowl with these sh- or encores with these short runs. It kind of feels like a summer camp opportunity to go and do something and have fun with a bunch of great people. But it's such a short um, uh, amount of time. You being 24 again, happy birthday. You're still early in your career. How are you? kind of going about these experiences and saying like, oh, this is amazing. I have to be present to do the best job that I can as a performer, but also hopefully having the opportunity to realize like, oh, this is special. I want to memor- you know, memorialize this and keep these experiences with me as a person, not just as a professional actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I totally like I will take time away. Most nights I'm like, yep, I'm just going to sleep. I'm going to rest. And then it's I think it's just having this self-awareness in rehearsal where like today I got to see, oh, my little Ricky who plays Bruiser. Um, and he was so excited and he'll just come up to me and he just gives me all the face licks and the hugs in the world. And whenever I get to see him, I just get so grounded. And then I, that sort of like self-awareness of like, oh, right, I'm getting to do Elle Woods at the Muni with a bunch of people who are so joyful and wonderful. And that sort of just grounds me in it. And then I'm like, oh, right, we get to have fun and do all this crazy stuff. And there's a turntable and all these amazing set pieces that I can't talk about because we want people to be surprised. Um, and that I think that's where I go like, okay, yes, it's all going to come together whether I'm stressed out or not. Yeah. Full disclosure, I don't live in St. Louis, but I saw my first Muni show last week with Sweeney Todd. I will be back in town to see Legally Blonde next week. So for me, as, as a theater lover... Seeing a show at the Muni was kind of a a bucket list moment for me. You are still, as we said, very earlier in your career. You have headlined a national tour. You are now doing something at the Muni. Are there things on your bucket list that you have, you know, set your sights on that? Okay, these are the things I want to do, whether it's roles or places you want to play or things that you want to just do as somebody working in this field. Yeah. Oh my goodness. The I'm sure there's the many. Yeah. Is, so many things. I mean, Hollywood Bowl is definitely on that list because I, I grew up going to see everything. I mean, the big one was John Williams. I'm a big Star Wars nerd. Um, but uh, so yeah, playing at the Hollywood Bowl would be great. Um, obviously Broadway is gonna happen when it happens Um, it's so funny because like I did Anastasia and I was like oh my goodness I fulfilled like my childhood dream what the heck do I do next and then it's really just it's so funny how like you'll do a callback and you're like yeah I think this is the right group of people this is the story I want to tell and so for me it's really just about the people and if it's going to like impact some young person, that's really important to me and, and making theater accessible. So, so I think it's less about like, I want to play this role, even though there's things on that list and more about like, who can I inspire to, to follow their dreams? (laughs) With characters like Anya and, you know, Elle, when you actually do get on stage, as you said, like these are roles that so many 
little girls and young women and I mean, young boys and, and young men as well look up to what has that process been, especially with Anastasia? hearing from kids or younger people or even older people, whether that's at the stage door or through letters on social media, were you prepared for that response or, or is that a little bit overwhelming at times in a good way? Yeah, it's it's definitely become more overwhelming at times just because like it, it floods in waves yeah. and social media is so like, oh my goodness, it's everywhere all at once. And you're like, I got to take a step back from the screen. Um, but especially in the beginning when the, when the casting announcement first came out, the amount of young women of color who were like, I never thought I could play this role. And like you pursuing your dream is allowing me to feel like, oh, I can do what she's doing. That's literally like, all I've wanted. My boyfriend has heard me say way too many times, like, all I want to do is play a role that impacted me as much as when I saw Phantom of the Opera when I was five years old. And I was like, this is all I want to do. Um, so yeah, it was like, I would cry every day in rehearsal because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm doing what I set out to do. So it's it's really been a gift. Yeah, you're doing the thing, which is, yep. <laughs> it, I mean, at 24, I mean, I guess, do you just stop? You've, you've done it. I mean, is your, you just go on to something else, move on to a new career, be an accountant or something then? <laughs> no, I, I think because it's like, okay, I reached that that milestone in my life. And then the next project will be a different experience and a different group of people who help me grow and help me stretch into the next part of my life and and I think that's probably my favorite part is like you get to create these little families with all these these memories that you hold so dear. And then it's like, OK, bye, I got to go on to my next project. But then you're still so close and you get to build this network and so many people know each other, which I think is so lovely and and so funny you end up finding connections that you didn't even know existed yeah well i mean with fergie and 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 nick and and uh and doing all that speaking of that i mean i guess you just you did sweeney todd with nick last year and, and donna lynn champlin uh we should mention yes. as well um did, did you get to see it uh sweeney at the meeting did you actually go or did you just go home and sleep while they were doing that show <laughs> No, I went um, last Sunday because I was like, okay, this is my one night of fun. I'm going to have a drink. I'm going to see the show. Um, so yeah, it was it was so great to, to see a show at the Muni and be like, okay, this is the scope. This is what it sounds like. This is the ambiance and the atmosphere. Obviously, Ben Davis and Carmen Cusack just absolutely destroyed, destroyed. And, and they both came to our to our run the other day and I actually got to talk to Carmen and I basically blacked out because she was just <laughs> she was like you totally are fair. effing killing it she was saying all these lovely things and I was like this is Carmen Cusack and she's standing in front of me and she's giving me a great hug and yeah I was just out of this world um but but yeah it's so funny to to see Sweeney Todd after I've done it and and yeah, it was like, oh gosh, we were so hype and so excited to cheer them on. I think the audience was like, do you know them? And we were like, yeah, we're in Legally Blonde. Um, but yeah, I love being, I love getting the opportunity to be like that high school theater kid that everyone thinks theater people are every once in a while. So, so it was a great, I mean, it sounded amazing. The set was insane. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a, a, a truly magical experience, one that I'm sure uh, will be just the same when you start performances for Legally Blonde next week. So 
we, we've talked about the show and your history with it. Have, have things surprised you? You've known this show, you've known this role for so long, but are you still discovering things in the room? And you said you got to do some table work. Are, are there things that have kind of been like, oh my God, I didn't realize what was going on here or something new about Elle that never occurred to you as just being somebody who approached it as a fan? Yeah, I um I think one of the the great things that Maggie and I talked about in like my final callback, I say in quotes because they had already picked me and I got that vibe. because <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, oh, we're just talking for the first 40 minutes. Um but um something that surprised me that I didn't even like think I was going to bring up, um she was like, "Why do you resonate with Elle?" and I was like, "I grew up in Orange County. The vast majority of my like friends were all white. So I felt like, okay, do I belong with these people? I'm growing up with quite a sense of privilege. And then I got to college and it was like, oh, I have so much more agency than I thought I did. Um, Where like I was advocating for obviously conscious casting and being like, why are you pigeonholing my other friends into these roles? And, um, and I think in in that same way that Elle discovers her own voice and her own sense of self, I discovered that in a lot of ways, which I loved. Didn't think I was going to say that in the final callback. And I was like, oh, gosh, Ooh. why am I getting so deep? I was like, oh, gosh. No, but they were so receptive. And all of us were on the same page and so excited. And I was like, oh, I really hope I book this. Um, but then in terms of obviously getting here, just getting to sit down. We actually, on our second day, got to sit down and do a read and sing. And just everyone just sort of being on the same page of like, okay, we're going to ground this in reality and see where it takes us. And in the run yesterday, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm actually just saying this as myself. That was something that was so surprising where I was like, I, one, surprising that I was like, well, how the heck did we stage this whole show in five days? And then two, because I was like, oh, this is like, this is genuinely coming from my heart. Like, these are words that I would say. Um, And so much connection of like, oh my gosh, I... Am I turning into Elle Woods or are we just so similar? So, so yeah, I absolutely love that. Well, and you, you mentioned, you know, the idea of, of color conscious casting and as a, as a black woman, you know, in a role that is, you know, traditionally been played by a white woman, that's, that's a big deal as it was with Anastasia. I don't know if this is something that you can say before the show opens, because as you said, there are surprises and I, you know, you might not want to spoil anything, but are you able to talk about, you know, kind of the difference between colorblind casting and color conscious casting and how, that plays into this production. If you are, obviously you weren't the one doing the ca- the casting, but you know, I think that's a, a very interesting, you know, thing to talk about, especially in the context of how that would very well be something that Elle Woods would have, uh, would probably would have taken up if, if she were an actress rather than a lawyer. Yeah. I think with, with our show, um, really the like mo the heart of the story that I think was so, I don't know if it was conscious or if it was just like, yeah, these are the people who are right for it is the, the Emmett and L relationship. Because I mean, in our scenes, what we're talking about has so much more weight and gravitas, I think, um, where, whereas it, it didn't, I don't know if it, it would resonate today in the same way um, where it's two people of color talking about their experiences and how it can be different and, and how another person standing in front of you can talk about how they weren't born into privilege and how maybe their experience is different and being able to actually listen to each other and being open to that as well as I think the the um walking that very thin line in gay or European, which is a number that like it's always always complicated. Today. Yeah, always complicated. <laughs> always complicated. 
complicated where we really, we sat down the other day and we were like, okay, how do we make this work? Um, and Patty brought up a really great point where she was like, you know, before it was, I mean, if you wanted to play it as a bunch of white people, it was like, okay, these are a bunch of white people of privilege labeling someone and assuming something. Whereas it's now a group of people who are all walks of different life and, um, all different shapes and sizes and all identify as, as different people or I don't know how to put that yeah. in the right. No, no, no. But, yeah, um, but in the, the terms of like, Oh, we're actually going to try to figure out in a way without like being respectful and not assuming um, it's still a very tricky line just to, to, to go through <laughs> of like, you keep the number. I'm like, even talking about it, I'm like, Oh my gosh. But yeah, just, just trying to, to walk that, that thin line. Cause there are things that obviously we cut a few things. I hope I can say that. Um, I will tell, like, I will tell Nell and Larry if you don't, yeah. you're, you're good. Yeah. I was like, well, um, just in terms of like, okay, that doesn't fly today and doesn't change anything in the story. Um, and just really trying to ground these characters and like, okay, how would Warner actually say this? I mean, I have to bring up Dan Tracy because he's yes. really, he's really grounded Warner in reality and, and taken him out of that box of, of like, okay, he's a douche. Why is Elle following him to Harvard? <laughs> um, and I mean, just, uh, gosh, he's so, he's so grounded. I keep bringing this up, but it truly is like, oh, it's real life. And, and just feels like, yeah, this, this could happen. And she could actually follow him to Harvard. He's a great guy. So you, you keep talking about how the show, it, at least in this production, feels so real and natural and grounded. And I, I think for a show that is clad in so much pink and so much pop music <laughs> and, and stuff like that, that I think that probably sounds like something that is either, um, surprising to audiences or it might just be, oh, an actor talking about their process in a way that an audience would never recognize. But do you feel like this is different than a lot of shows that, that you've done in the past that where, you know, they, they might have played into some of the extremeness of musical theater storytelling where this, despite all of the extremes that it has, uh, feels different in that respect? Yeah, in some ways. I mean, the funny thing with Anastasia is... Um we <laughs> we were in a brush up rehearsal i want to say like 2 weeks before and our director came sarah hartman who's the tour director mm-hmm. uh and she actually had to pull us back cuz we had gone towards looney tunes and as she said where she was like okay let's remember that this is grounded in reality and these we placed this show in russia and so i think in that same sense it was like oh right we're playing real people or what we assume to be real people mm-hmm. um and trying to make this as relatable as possible and i mean there are still those fantastical elements of like what the heck i love musical theater it's so crazy yeah, yeah. um but still like yeah this this could be real um so I, I think in some ways it's the same. In some ways it's totally different. I will say Anastasia just has a darker tone where I love sure. Legally Blonde and that it's like, yeah, I'm just going to dance with this list in my hand and, and just that freedom and that joy that comes through. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I will wrap it up because I want to make sure you get as much rest as humanly possible before before the show. Um, but I, ha- I can't talk to the Muni's L Woods without bringing up TikTok. Like the, the whole social media craze about the audition dances for this show went like viral and went nuts about this whole thing. Were you aware of that uh, happening? Like, obviously you had to go through audition process too, but like, were you seeing all these people doing the audition number on TikTok? Is that something that you guys have talked about or anything like that? Totally. I mean, 
<laughs> William, our choreography, he just, a choreographer, he just went to um, some dance competition and all they wanted to do was the Legally Blonde combo. <laughs> um, which obviously I think just, just the fact that like this show and this movie and this story resonates across generations. Like anyone can be Elle Woods. Um, and how many people just love the music. Uh, but I was aware it was going on. I... <sighs> Personally, don't have TikTok, the app, um, because I got You're so addicted it. to yeah. it. Yeah, I got so addicted to it in the pandemic, and I was like, I can't do this to myself anymore. It stresses me out. You just, when you I just said, scroll and scroll and scroll, exactly. and like four hours later, you're still there. I understand. Yeah, like the algorithm, it like knows what you want to watch. So yeah, I'm not on it, but obviously my friends were sending me the videos. And then when I booked Elle Woods, it was like, oh, we're going to keep sending her all the videos because everyone wanted to know uh, who was playing Elle. And I just had to keep my mouth shut. I started posting things on my story that were very pink yeah. um, where I was like, I can't, I can't hold it in anymore. I'm too excited. But yeah, I mean, just the, the absolute uh, craze that the – I think so many people just want Legally Blonde to be back. We, we're in a time where it's like, yes – feminism, girl power, let's let's bring that energy back and that warmth that I mean Elwood's always makes the kind choice, which which I think is really important. So. Yeah. I, I personally will not rest until there's a legally blonde revival on Broadway. And I'm completely fine with your Muni cast being the cast to do it. Like let's I don't know if the Muni's <laughs> ever had a Broadway transfer, but let's go. Like legally blonde needs to be on Broadway in perpetuity forever as far as I'm concerned. Yes. The Immunities production of Legally Blonde will run from July 25th through the 31st. I will be there on the 26th, so if you happen to be in Forest Park, uh, which is an absolutely amazing facility, which I'll, I think I'll talk about here in a second, um, let me know, and maybe in the throng of people we'll be able to, uh, to meet up. Okay, well, I think that's a great segue for you to tell everybody about your experience at the Muni. So why don't you tell us what you got to see? All right, so I mentioned this on Friday's episode of Today on Broadway, so I, I will try not to repeat too much of that part of my conversation. I saved a lot of the review stuff for here, but I do want to mention that, you know, I've wanted to go see a show at the Muni for years. I mean, between the incredible pr productions that they do, the great talent they get for like a, a summer camp kind of uh, kind of feel where they just go in, rehearse for a couple weeks, do a week of shows and leave. Um, it's been something that I've wanted to do for a long time. And when you think of a theater that has 11,000 seats, all outdoors in a very, very hot Great Plains state, I don't think people that live on either coast realize just how hot it is in the summer in the middle of the country, having lived in Kansas and in, in in Western Illinois, like I can tell you, it gets very hot. Fortunately, I was there on a day that rained most of the, the rest of the day. In fact, a uh, St. Louis Cardinals Cincinnati Reds baseball game that my family and I were supposed to go to in the, in the afternoon was canceled because of the rain. Um, but that kept the temperatures down, so that certainly helped. But between the ease of getting in and out of the Muni, the facilities, bathrooms, concessions, seating, um, getting in and out. It was truly just a, a near perfect experience. I was thoroughly impressed with the entire operation uh, of everything at the Muni. And if you're unfamiliar with the Muni, it sits inside a public park in the middle 
uh, of St. Louis called Forest Park that is also the home of uh, the art museum and a bunch of the historical society and a bunch of other things that my aunt and I went around and did while I was there. The zoo is in there as well. Uh, but I loved the experience of going to the Muni um, even before I got into my seat and watch the show. As for the show itself, it obviously starred a number of Broadway uh, names led by Ben Davis as the eponymous barber. Then, of course, the two-time Tony nominee Carmen Cusack as Mrs. Lovett, Robert Cuccioli as Judge Turpin, and as I've mentioned before, I saw Cooch uh, in my very first trip to New York sitting in, I believe, the first row to see Jekyll and Hyde. And while that show is still Jekyll and Hyde, uh, seeing him do confrontation just mere feet in front of me was one of the coolest experiences I'd ever sat, had in the theater and still remains one of my favorite memories. So as I went into this, I didn't really know what to expect from a production. Obviously, I've seen plenty of highlights from uni shows across the years. This show was, as many Sweeney Todd productions are, fairly bare bones in terms of its set, had some modular units of stairs and things that kind of bordered on period appropriate, and then also a little bit of steampunky, which carried over to the costumes as well. And I was really blown away by the not only the execution of the pr production and obviously the performances, um, but the technical aspects of it as well. There are a number of video LED boards, which I know were fairly recent additions to the set at the Muni, but the sound quality was amazing. Uh, the fact that I was sitting just a couple rows behind what is like the box seats. Um, so, you know, 12-ish rows back. Heard everything. Uh, it was crystal clear. It was really, really impressive. Um, so that's enough talking about like everything other than the show, but it I cannot speak highly enough about my experience at the Muni. In terms of the performances, um, Ben Davis has the voice to sing Sweeney Todd. And while his characterization and performance didn't necessarily land for me all the time. Uh, I thought that there were parts where it was a bit performative and which is actually something that my aunt and I discussed after seeing the show. He sang it well. He let the the Sondheim melodies kind of carry the emotion. He didn't bring anything special um, or unique to it, in my opinion. Uh, however, Carmen Cusack brought that in spades, which is something that I think everybody who has seen her or, or heard her will not be surprised about. Uh, as I mentioned on uh, today on Broadway, while Angela Lansbury kind of brings this batty, kooky, uh, cobweb-brained uh, approach to Mrs. Lovett, Carmen Cusack brought um, a little bit more youthful slash horny, aggressive uh, Mrs. Lovett, where she very much emphasized her attraction and desire to have a relationship with Sweeney slash Benjamin Barker in there. She was great um, at kind of infusing different character notes that we're not used to hearing from Mrs. Levitt. Of course, we've all heard her songs so often, but even doing something like Little Priest, where she's able to emphasize different jokes and different comedic beats in that song that we haven't heard before was truly something special. Um, and I, I enjoyed her. Um, Robert Cuccioli, again, just fantastic, perfectly voiced for Judge Turpin. Stephen Wallum as Beetle Bamford was really good. One of the highlights for me was Riley Noland, um, who played Joanna. Uh, she was crystal and clear voice and again, helped by a, a wonderful sound design. Um, you know, I, I really can't fault much of anybody in this cast. Uh, Toby, played by Lincoln Klaus, was also really good. Um, so I have to say, like, my first time going to the Muni 
seeing a show that I obviously know well and love, uh, had high expectations, but uh, it did not disappoint in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and Robert uh, Ruggiero, who directed it, deserves a lot of credit for putting together a remarkable production of a all-time classic show. Wow. <laughs> it sounds a lot like the Hollywood Bowl here. Yeah, um, exactly. So uh, I, I have seen shows. I, I envy your experience with it because the musicals I've seen at the Hollywood Bowl were not easy to hear or <laughs> ah. uh, I think it's I think the stage is too big because it's a an orchestra stage so that sounds really cool I think St. Louis is underrated you know I think a big thing oh, yeah. thing of this episode is we're talking about Midwest cities that you know people need to give more love to and I had a nephew that went to St. Louis a few years ago to see the Stanley Cup finals because he's a blues fan and he just raved about the city. He said it's an underrated city. So Absolutely. sounds like a fun tourist destination. Yeah. And in addition to seeing um, Legally Blonde when I'm back in St. Louis for the second time uh, in a couple of weeks, I think we're going to go to Stages St. Louis and see their production of In the Heights as well. That's the company that recently did, as you know, the... Uh, world premiere of Karate Kid the Musical. Uh, so uh, I think we're going to go see that when I'm in town uh, in addition to Legally Blonde. So love seeing as much theater outside of New York and outside of Orlando as possible. And it seems like St. Louis is a great place to do it. That sounds great. So Matt, do you want to tell us a little bit about some um, other reviews in Orlando that you saw before you left? Yeah, I saw a couple shows in the weekend before I left, I think, um, or the week before I left. I won't spend a lot of time on them because obviously both of these shows are... are either wrapped up completely or will be here soon. But I did see a different production of Sweeney Todd actually put on by New Generation uh, Theatrical, which is a company that has gone through a couple different iterations over the years. It does not have its own home. It's kind of an itinerant theater company, but it is, I mean, some of the best productions I've seen in Orlando. Um, it is a company that kind of does shows that are not only well-known like Sweeney Todd, but also kind of take some risks on things that are unfamiliar. They also do some regional premieres and some original shows as well. That's the that's the first place I ever saw Bat Boy done. It's the first place I ever saw Heather's done. Um, so that's a great a great production company, and I hope they continue to kind of expand what they do. They've gone quite a bit of time through uh, you know not having shows, but they seem to have a, a more dedicated schedule. Their next show is going to be the the play Closer, which was turned into a early 2000s movie of the same name starring like Jude Law, Julia Roberts, Clive Owen, and Natalie Portman. But anyway, I really enjoyed the, this production. One of the best groups of, uh, of performers in a musical I've seen in Orlando in a long time. If you are in the Central Florida area and you're ever able to see a show by uh, New Generation, um, highly recommend that. Then I also saw Memphis at Theater West End in Sanford with a company that I've mentioned before where I saw in the Heights a couple months ago. Memphis is Memphis. I, I probably wouldn't have gone had I not already had a season subscription and wanted to be able to check it off having seen it in person uh, from my Tony Awards Best Musical list. I'm now at 50 of 75, I think, um, is what I'm at in terms of numbers. So trying to cross, cross as many of those off as I can. I had seen the pro tape capture that they released in theaters a decade or so ago, but never seen it in person. 
the show is what it is. It, it has not aged super well in terms of the white hero complex and all of those things. Some also some other elements made me cringe a little bit, but you know, really good talent. Again, a, a much smaller professional theater, 20-ish miles north of Orlando that I always enjoy going to, even if the, the shows aren't necessarily to my liking. Um, I always enjoy those. I believe a chorus line is up next. And they've also got She Loves Me, I think, later this year. So two shows that I very much enjoy and I'm looking forward to seeing in a small, intimate storefront environment. Thank you for joining us on This Week in Theater. You can follow Broadway Radio at Broadway Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find me on Medium at Eponine Q and Matt on Twitter at BWWMatt. And you can always reach out to us with suggestions for regional theater productions. We shall see you next time.